OU Texas is a game where the, after the game and the next day, you either feel really, 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 really good or you just feel sick. There's no in-between. It's a banner day at West of Everest. We've got our very first guest joining the show. Dean Blevins is the sports director at KWTV News 9 in Oklahoma City. And Dean is also my boss, as I've said countless times to all the listeners on this podcast. I'm very much looking forward to chatting with Dean about OU Texas, Baker Mayfield, and whatever else may come up. But before we get to Dean, I want to encourage all of you out there listening to go over to iTunes, leave us a rating and or a review if you have not done so already. Since the season began about a month or so ago, our audience has grown tremendously. So all the new listeners out there, please let us know if you've got any feedback. And of course, in addition to listening to the show on iTunes, you can also find the podcast on SoundCloud. Plus, if you're on Facebook, you're invited to search for West of Everest, find our Facebook page and give us a like. That way you'll be able to stay up to date with the show and you'll be able to send us messages or leave us comments. And finally, you can email the show, westofeverest at gmail.com. Dean, thanks for coming on the show. How does it feel to be our first guest on uh, West of Everest? Uh, very good. I didn't realize that. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's great to be on here with you. And I can tell your followers that uh, you've got a good man you're listening to here. I've worked with a whole lot of people and... Uh, not only is Lee one of them, but no, <laughs> Lee is uh, <laughs> uh, Lee's first rate, both as a uh, just a guy, a person, and um, in his work, diligent, cooperative, great spirit, hard worker, everything you look for. So happy to be here. Well, and I think a lot of that you you think you're being too nice to me, but it it, I, it helps that I am a OU guy. Obviously, so are you, and I you know we so we, I think we share a lot of the same. Uh, passions when it comes to OU football yeah. and so I like to go to you whenever I can to, to get a different perspective and things like that so here's where I want to start uh, OU Texas of course one of the more unique rivalries in all of sports for me personally I've seen a decent amount of sporting events NFL games SEC games things like that um, obviously you've seen an immense amount of sporting events as well uh, but the Cotton Bowl OU Texas I think is just one of the better, if not the best, atmospheres in sports that I've ever experienced. You, know, you got just the hate between the two teams. You got the Texas State Fair as the backdrop. And then what I really always think about is that line down the middle of the field divided, crimson and burnt orange. I think that's really cool. So is OU Texas to you one of the great events of, of sports and maybe all time? Sure. Um, you know, there are, uh, there are other – Big time rivalries, and we'll just stick with football. I mean, you can you can go into other sports, and, and there are great rivalries there too. But in college football, um, this one is unique because of that setting, ticket distribution, just the pure hatred um, between the schools with most people, um, and the fact that you know the the um, the coaches go after the same players. You know, college football. If you haven't figured it out yet, the most the, the most important thing to most coaches is just simply recruiting because you got to have the players, and they go after the same players year in year out. Um, so that's a large part of it. Um, you know, there are other rivalries around the country. I think the one that jumps out to me that 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 would be on par with it, certainly with their fans, mm -hmm. um, is Auburn Alabama. Um, I was fortunate to have called uh, network games both in the uh, booth as an analyst and on sideline uh, for 
roughly 15 years and call some really big games. Some USC, uh, UCLA games, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, some Notre Dame, uh, Michigan, just a lot of big games. Um, and I didn't, I never got the feeling in the stadium or just with the players in general and the, and the, the fans in general that it was uh, going to stack up with OU Texas. Um, so that, that one kind of stood on its own. And, folks, if you're wondering if that sounded a little odd, I had to let in my dog. <laughs> Dean, yep, Dean's got his dogs around yeah. here. Yeah, that, that, so, so I think Auburn, Alabama, great. though, would be the one that comes to mind because they are so passionate wow. down there. The numbers are incredibly big. The quality of football is great. And they recruit the same players. So uh, it's, it, those two stand out to me. Sure, sure. And the others, I, I actually uh, called most of those other games in those series, so I have firsthand knowledge. What's the, the most memorable OU Texas moment for you as a player, not as a player? I mean, I know there's probably a lot of things that stand out in your mind over the years. When I ask you about that, though, what, uh, what things jump out to you? Oh, well, my playing days immediately jump out because you're so close to it. You know, you think as a fan, you guys out there, gals out there are, are uh, into it. Well, you can just multiply it by a million with players. So every play comes to mind, certainly, and, and we may touch on it later, certainly in 76 when I was a starting quarterback and did not get to go. That one comes to mind. Every day, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, you know, when I think of it, uh, it's not one particular play. I mean, it, it, it's it's um, it's Allen scoring for John Blake's win. It's Marcus Dupree scooting 80 yards for a touchdown. And then, you know, he's a non-factor after that in the Texas game. Um, it's Tinker Owens catching touchdown passes from Joe Washington. Um, uh, certainly the years that I it was, it's Earl Campbell running over us. Um, uh, and th then moving forward, I think into the Stoops era, the 2000 game was just a staggering ball game when I think Quentin scored five touchdowns and it got up to something. It's like five or six. Yeah. 14. Yeah. Um, I was calling a game back East uh, for CBS in the booth. Uh, during that game, and I would come no, out. Oh, so you of the didn't booth. get a chance to watch a lot? No. Yeah, because no. right, you're doing all yeah. the games so, back yeah. so, so I'm coming out of the booth, running over to the television, like in between uh, in commercials, and God, they got so mad at me. And I'd go over, <laughs> and, and they score a touchdown, they score another touchdown. I was, I'd be pinching myself, is this really happening? <laughs> so, so that one really comes to mind. Adrian coming off the goal line really comes in mind. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Not only are you the first guest, we have a couple other guests too, which is, this is just, it makes it more fun. Yeah, I was, I was hoping you'd go through all the years and years and years. That's what you're doing right now. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm. Adrian, um, and then moving on forward with, well, I mean, Quentin and that bunch mm -hmm. was unbelievable. Um, and then uh, moving more into the current days, I think it was just what, what's happened here in the last 20 years is unbelievable. I mean, 12 and 6 in the last 18, 6 of 8, I think, right now. The OU's ability to jump on top of this series has been unbelievable in the, in the plays that happened there. So uh, I do know this, Lee, and you probably uh, have similar thoughts to me. OU Texas is a game where the, after the game and the next day, you either feel 
really, 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 really good, <laughs> or you just feel sick. There's no in between. And I'm sure it's time, like you said, times a thousand or a million as a player. Yeah. Because yeah. I've only experienced it as a as a fan, frankly, as a student a few times, and then now as a, a brief member of the media. And I've been to that game three different times, 08, 09, and 2010. Those first two years, you remember, where the 08 game was incredible, but it had that nasty feeling at the end when Texas won, and OU ended up going to the national title game that year. And then the 09 game was tough because Bradford didn't play, or he got injured in the game after he came back, and the defense was so good for OU, but the offense wasn't great. And then finally in 2010, Oklahoma got a win, but it was such an ugly game. It was just kind of... Uh, so, But it did feel a lot better after that 2010 game. Well, you say three, and that's that's a good number to, to build on. I had to miss... Um, I called the OU Texas game either in the booth or on the sideline some six, seven times, meaning that I had to miss the game, calling games for ABC around the country another uh, seven years. So doing the math on it, uh, I hate to admit it, this is my 41st. Nah. Well, I mean, oh. I, I figured it was a when you're pretty healthy years number. Old, you do a lot of them. <laughs> well, that's why it's great to have you on here because you have like, that perspective and you yeah. know how this, this rivalry has progressed and transpired throughout the years because frankly for me i've i've the first ou text game that i remember 99 stoops's first year and really the, the first time i kind of got into football was when bob stoops was hired in 99 and that's kind of i've been lucky that's all i've known when it comes to oklahoma for the most part and of course since i've i've been here at, at news nine and talked to you i've gone back and i've done more research and learned more about the, the previous teams and things like that so i need to get that history of college football but all I've known for the most part is these great years of Bob Stoops and now Lincoln Riley. So it's, it's, I guess it's good to have that perspective of it's not always been this dominant for Oklahoma. There's, no. There are some rough years, and yeah. right now it's great. You know, the, the 99 game, you, you bring that up. Um, I called that game in the booth as the analyst for ABC with Terry Gannon, who now does ABC golf and does a ton of stuff. Terry's a great guy, played uh, basketball on the championship team for uh, Balbano over at North Carolina oh, no State. Kidding. Yeah. Uh, but that was a, a, an unusual game you could talk about for an hour where Oklahoma jumped up, I believe it was 20 to nothing, and it was one of those games, again, where I was just kind of looking around in the booth going, is this, re is this real? Is this real? Because I'm calling the game on an, uh, in an unbiased way and looking sure. at it that way because that's my job. But at the same time, you're a human. And so you're going, oh, this is unbelievable. This is Stoops guy might be okay. And then Texas comes back and, and wins that one. But, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. but then it flips. Right. It it flips. Immediately the next year. Let's table the OU Texas talks. We, we don't have a, all day to talk. I, let's talk strictly about the Sooners. You got Kyler yep. Murray. Kale Gundy said this week there's no doubt in his mind that Kyler could play in the NFL. But, you know, baseball is his future, though, right, Dean? That's all we believe. That's why the Oakland A's drafted him or paying him millions of dollars. But I understand that you're of the mind that baseball's not 100% in Kyler Murray's future, per se. You know, could Kyler really come back and play football at Oklahoma next year, Dean? Well, unless Lincoln Riley is just a bald-faced liar, uh, the answer to that question is yes. Uh, June the 2nd, I believe it was, um, I recorded, we recorded an interview that I did with Coach uh, Lincoln Riley and Norman for our Heisman TV special. And um, as I was uh, asking a question about Kyler Murray and, and his contract and his future, uh, Lincoln was 
clear in saying that um, we'll just have to wait and see if this is Kyler's last season, to which I jumped in. And long story short, Lincoln simply stated that uh, he inferred that Kyler would have an opportunity to, to play again another year. Right. Uh, and uh, certainly that was the complete understanding. He would later come back uh, a month later and say a similar thing when questioned. And when I would bring this up in public and even run the, the soundbite on the air, people were like, no, 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 he can't. I just read he signed a con. Well, Lincoln Riley is not going to come on, uh, do an interview with anyone and just blatantly lie. And certainly right. not lie about a topic of that seriousness and significance. So there is an there is a and he's continued that conversation. You know, he's, yeah, he's not, maintained he's not that. Up. He's maintained that, and yeah. and Kyler Murray has also maintained that too. He hasn't said yeah. one way or the other. So clearly, there's something in the contract, or there's an understanding with parties that somehow it would trigger. Kyler having the ability to play another year of football. Can I be more specific? No. Uh, but do I believe that very much? A hundred percent. So that possibility is there. You know, you think of baseball, if you're really good in baseball, you make vulgar money. Just unbelievable. Make more money, money in baseball than football. Yeah. And then they injure. Oh, yeah, I mean, tons if, mm -hmm. you're, if you're really good. Yeah. And that's course, what they think he might be. And I'm sure that's what he thinks. So uh, from a money standpoint, and from an injury standpoint, baseball is the no-brainer. But I tell you what, there's something about the sport of football. And number one, I've been told multiple times that he loves football. He likes it more than baseball. There's something about, let me give you this scenario. Let's say that, that Kyler Murray has a sensa continues a sensational year, comes in second in the Heisman, real close. And that Oklahoma wins out. Let's say they lose to Alabama in the championship game, in a, in a competitive game. How, how's Kyler Murray going to feel right there? And it doesn't even have to be that uh, dramatic. But, but you get where I'm putting you is in Kyler's position. Yeah. How's he going to feel? And knowing that, like Kale Gundy said, can he play in the NFL? Yes, 100%. He's Right, he's 5'9 or 5'10. But that he thinks he can play yeah. okay so you know it's not a cut and dried situation is the point mm -hmm. so do i think it'll happen what odds would i put on it i'd say there's no more than five percent chance that it would happen if that but could it yes that contract has got to be one of the most unique contracts that's ever been written in sports yeah and it'd be great to see what it was all in it <laughs> well part of the problem in this process is that one of the all-time um most disliked uh, agents is Scott Boros yeah. representing him, and so you're not going to get the truth publicly. Mm -hmm. And you're going to well, he said that that Kyler's going to Oakland in the spring. You know, he's already said that. Yeah. So, and, but Kyler uh, hasn't said that. Yeah. But then you notice after he said that, Lincoln has already come back and said mm -hmm. uh, when asked that, yeah, he can still yeah, play. Exactly. Yeah. That's why it's such an interesting story. Yeah. Let's talk more about the offense. And initially, when Rodney Anderson got hurt. I said, of course, of course he's a stud. I think he's the best running back in college football. Oklahoma's not going to be able to replace him. But at the running back position, I think more than any other spot on the field, it's more plug and play than anywhere else. And especially with, with Oklahoma's offensive line, I thought OU would be able to figure out the run game, hit their stride at some point this year. But Dean, over the past couple of weeks, I've changed my tune a bit. And I've become a little worried about the running back situation and also worried a bit about the offensive line. You know, you get Trey Sermon, 
struggled to get yards against a bad Baylor run defense last week. And a couple weeks ago, the offensive line couldn't get a push on third down and fourth down against Army to get a yard on the goal line. What's going to uh, what's going on with the running game right now in your eyes? Well, I have felt that uh, that Rodney Anderson was going to uh, push himself into that group of great Oklahoma running backs, and I say short list. There's actually a pretty long list. To, to, you go back to the uh, Greg Pruitts, the Joe Washingtons, the, you move on up into the ADs and the P. Rines and the Mixons. He's that good. He's that big. He's that strong. He's that fast. He's that elusive. He's that dependable. He's that. Uh, so when he went down, I caught a lot of fact from fans for making too much of it. Well, no, I'm not making too much of it. Uh, Trey Sermon's a really good player, but he's good as the two-back, not as the feature-back. He's good as the guy that does what he does, run over people, make tough yardage. He's not a go-to-the-distance go the, go the kind of guy. And unfortunately, Marcellus... Sutton, Marcellia Sutton hadn't shown that either, so mm -hmm. I don't think he is. And he's a little banged up, I think, still, too. Right. He must be, at least. Or, right. Mm -hmm. And the two young freshmen, they might become really good players. Who knows? They might become great players. Are they ready to go to Texas? And do I think this year they're going to be anywhere close to what Rodney Anderson would have meant to this team had he been out there? No. So that's how I feel about it. Similar to sure. you, and I've spoken out from day one. And then the offensive line. Yeah, you've been line. on this from day one. Yeah, I, yeah. again, I was a little more, eh, you know, the offensive line. The, the offensive line, though, has been not as strong. Sorry, I cut you off. I no, know no, you win, you win key games because your great players make dip game uh, difference-making plays. Sure. And so you take one out there. Now look at this team. Well, they're doing great. I, I think they have a big upside. But you look at this team, and Mark Andrews, he's out of there too. So Rodney and Mark Andrews. Dimitri Flowers is out. So Dimitri, Rodney, and him. Yeah. You lose a receiver. You lose Orlando Brown. I mean, you look around before you know it. Oh, yeah, Baker Mayfield. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, do I think this bunch here has a chance to continue to be exceptional offensively? Yes. But will they... Uh, in the Cotton Bowl and in these other big games, would they like to have those other five or six professionals and difference makers? Absolutely. We got about 10, 11 minutes left. Let's, let's move back to this year's Texas game, OU Texas game. And I saw you tweeting yesterday about the, the Texas K-State game from last week, and I listened to you on the Sports Animal talking to Jim and Al about the game. And I heard you say that so far this year that what you've seen from Texas, they see them as a hit-and-miss kind of ball club. And I agree with that, and I'll add to it a bit. To me, Texas, to me, has played either up or down to its competition. Like, for example, the Horns, to me, looked a, a bit more sharp against TCU and USC uh, earlier in the season, more so than they did against Kansas State last week. I was wondering if you would agree with that assessment. Yeah, definitely. Um, you have to assume that they're going to bring their best because it quite often happens in that game, and that's why you see rivalry games where there might be a two- or three-touchdown difference between teams go to the wire or see an upset. So you have to assume they're going to bring their best. And Tom Herman is selling hard, hard, hard to the public and to his players that we must play our best to give ourselves even a chance to win. So I think they'll come out and play the way we've seen them do here and the way they did for much of the game last year. Um, Ellinger is their key because when things are going well, um, he's a killer. I mean, he's a killer. 
But when they aren't, you know, he throws those game-deciding interceptions and just makes dumb plays. So they're, they're one of those teams that you really don't like to have where they're a front-running team if they're playing great, but when they're not, they aren't. You like someone who's more consistent. Yeah. But still, they have they have players. Sure. Charlie Strong had top five recruiting classes. Herman's repeated him. They have players. They always and, do, yeah. Um, and so Oklahoma better bring their game. I think this game is a flat-out toss-up. It seems like it's always been. I mean, it, it's annoying to me, though, because it, I don't think it should be. I think Oklahoma. No, it shouldn't be. I, I think Oklahoma is so much more talented than this than this Texas oh, he's team, a and, 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 and it was the last a little injured. Yeah, they they were so much more talented than Texas last year, yeah. and the year before, and the year before. But yet, this game is always close. At least in the recent years, the injuries sure that that does come up. But even with that, I think. It, it, it should not be as close as it probably is going to be. Yeah. And you look back at last year's game, for example, Oklahoma jumps out 20 to nothing, dominating that game. Looks like they're going to run away with it. They had to settle for a couple field goals in the red zone, which is always annoying, always annoying. Then you get a big special teams play, some dumb penalties by the Sooners, and just like that, Texas was back in it before halftime, and it changed the whole aspect of the game. Something like that, I just – I love them jumping out on top. Just don't give up those big, those dumb penalties and big plays. And I think Oklahoma has the ability to run away with this game. You you got to hope if you're an Oklahoma fan that Lincoln Riley can get through thick skulls that this is a lo- imminently losable game because the history since Bob Stoops has been here, twelve and six Oklahoma wins in game in teams ranked higher going into that game. Oklahoma. Uh, in the last 18 has been ranked higher 15 times. So the history of it is that Oklahoma comes in a big favorite and Texas either wins or plays it real close. They're staggering odds. You follow odds. I've got some numbers for you that'll blow you away in terms of the percentage of time OU's been favored and the number of times Texas covers the spread or wins. So that tells right. you Oklahoma doesn't come into it with the same mentality mm-hmm. that Texas does. And because of last year and um, because Lincoln Riley needs to do it, I think the preparation and the mentality coming in will be massive. I still haven't formulated my – we always try to do a, a score prediction on, on this podcast, my brother and I. I, I haven't – Made money. I know you already gave your your prediction on Sunday on the Blitz, so I don't know. Has has your mind changed? Have you changed at all since Sunday when you made the OU Texas prediction? No, I uh, I hate having to do that prediction on a Sunday right. yeah, because, it's tough. as you know, I watch every game that OU's opponents play during the week mm-hmm. leading up to the game, and we're sitting here right now watching Texas <laughs> and uh, Kansas State play. Um, so I don't really know as much, but uh, no, I stick with the same principle. I had, of course. Uh, I think I publicly went with thirty four. Uh, 30 or 34-31 Oklahoma. Um, I think it'll. I don't think Oklahoma will go crazy wild, scoring a ton of points, and I don't think you're going to shut Kyler Murray out. So, 34 seems reasonable. And uh, I really, even though I think it's a toss-up, I can't pull the trigger on Texas. So right. that score, that score is what I've gone with. The last real quick thing on this game that I'll be looking out for, and you will too, and Sooner Nation should be looking out for is Kyler Murray of course has been incredible so far this year and I heard you and Jim and Al talking about how I mean he's been probably better than we even expected he would be he's done it against for the most part not very good defenses Iowa State's got a good defense but Texas is going to be a better defense than Iowa State if Kyler Murray continues to be this good 
against a, a defense like Texas, and then after the bye, they got TCU. If he keeps looking like this, then my ex- excitement level for this team, Dean, will increase immensely because then we will have seen Kyler do this same kind of uh, you know, whether he makes the right decisions on everything, it seems like, against high-level teams, and I'll feel a lot better about this team. How do you feel about seeing him against a, a defense like Texas? No, I, I, you're, you're right. I think that uh, I have trouble seeing OU win both this Saturday in Dallas and then the next Saturday in Fort Worth. There is a buy be between there, too, if case. Yeah, oh, yeah well, there's yeah. going to be two, two games against uh, legitimate defenses, so we're going to know a whole lot more. Um, but uh, he holds the key. All things being equal, special teams, which OU has an edge, frankly, mm-hmm. uh, fumbles, all that, all things being equal, Kyler Murray should be the deciding factor in this game because of his incredible upside. But if he, this is a different environment, just exactly as you're saying, totally different. Trust me, I mean, the two seconds you normally have to throw, now it's a second and a half. And everything is just much, much, much more difficult. If he he, uh, thrives and survives in this game, that's a great, great sign. But that's not a given. As much as I Mm -hmm. respect him, it is far from a given. No, I'm I'm with you 100%. Lastly, let's finish up. Let's talk some Baker Mayfield. You and I were having a mini debate at work on Sunday about Mayfield's performance in his first start against the Raiders. And I I said that I thought he would have played a little bit better in his performance. And it was a bit uneven. And and you you did not agree with me. And and I got to say, after I went back and I watched every snap, because I hadn't watched every single snap on that Sunday, and I went back and watched it, you were, you were more correct than me. I thought Baker, he played very well overall in that game against, against Oakland, even with the four turnovers. And, and I will say I, the one mistake I thought he made in the game was, and I think, again, I think you were on the opposite side of me on this one too, was that interception he threw at the end of the game when the game was tied. He didn't need to make that throw. I think he was trying to make a play. He was trying to – he, he pump faked. He, he didn't – he thought he would get Antonio Callaway, his speediest receiver, get him past the safeties. I don't think he accounted for that deep center field type safety. Through the interception with, I think there was about 20 or 15 seconds left, and the Browns still had one timeout left, and they needed about 20 yards to get uh, a decent field goal attempt to win the game. I thought, I think I think if you ask Baker, I think he'd probably say he wanted that throw back in hindsight. That's Other than that, though, I thought he played really well. What are your, uh, the floor is yours. What, what do you think about everything? Oh, I think that the fact that the Cleveland Browns scored 42 <laughs> points really just says all you need to sure. know. You know, they're now capable of doing that. Uh, yeah, overall, any fair-minded analyst, uh, anyone f- being fair-minded looking at it would, would say, yeah, that kid did really well. If you're Colin Coward, you say, four turnovers, overrated. That's just, you know, that kind right, of I mean, that's just like a simple, clearly I look at the box score and I see the number four and d- didn't watch the game apparently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, if the Browns could get that out of them every week, they'd win several games. But I tell you what, now that I've actually become a serious Browns fan, <laughs> it is hard to watch those guys because Ugh. they had five opportunities to seal the game, and they got screwed out of two of them. Anyone who's listening at watch knows. I don't need to go into detail. They had two plays that happened that were clearly c- called incorrectly that were game-deciding plays. Um, he played great. I, I think it's going to get tougher and tougher as the year goes on, though, because teams are going to see more film of him. And these receivers he has aren't really receivers. Callaway runs fast, doesn't do anything else. It's unproven. Doesn't run very good routes. Doesn't Seems kind of lazy. Landry yeah. got let go by Miami for a reason. 
Uh, you know, he had so, a drop in the game. But yeah. The ball's a little high, but I mean, he's a guy that's one-handed catches. And I said after the game that he had seven to nine drops, and I see that the official report from the club was nine drops. <laughs> yeah, I saw Hugh Jackson said that. It's yeah. hard to win with nine drops. <laughs> and one of them was on a two-point play early in the game, where the I mean, that's two points right there. Well, there's no overtime if that happens. Yeah. Uh, you know. So, yeah, so and I think one of the the play I just referenced with Landry, I mean, it was kind of a high throw by Baker, but it was a good throw. A guy like Jarvis Landry should catch it. It was a third down and 12. Yeah. It's a conversion. You're moving the ball, moving the ball. So, well, yeah, he's, he, he's made the transition, and he's going to be better than I thought he was because he still has that same persona and ability to galvanize every player, even the support people uh, the, the, the not only on the team but just fans in general he, he he's an unbelievable cat he's doing the same thing here he did in college the same thing he did at tech the same thing he did it in high school and uh he's making it look smooth and relatively easy but i do think it's going to continue to get more difficult because i don't like his offensive line i don't like his receivers and i don't like the the belief the the inability to believe that you can win that's the biggest yeah. takeaway from watching those guys is that, say, I mean, I want to compare them to my Oklahoma teams, for example, because we were as confident as any team ever was back in the 70s. You believe you're going to win, and then you make winning plays. Those guys aren't used to winning, so they expect to lose, and they make losing play after losing play after losing play. And that's what the one of the narratives has been around Baker Mayfield is that if this organization, this franchise is going to get turned around, Baker Mayfield's probably the guy to do that but that's a lot to overcome because he's got that winning <laughs> mentality but he's just one guy and they still they should have won that game and and you look at all the results I know he's only played a game and a half and Tyrod Taylor played the first two and a half I know you could do ifs and buts for everything but the Browns could be four and oh right now which oh, is no! which is incredible and they're one two and one Dean, you're going to have a blog post, correct, coming out this this later this yeah. week? I know you've been po posting them. In fact, there's one up now, folks. If you want to go to news9.com or my Twitter account, at Dean Blevins, or Facebook, and then uh, planning to pump one out again today. You know, we do quite a bit of social media stuff, uh, you and I and our staff and station, but this OU Texas week, woo, it's like, let's go, <laughs> let's go. So uh, the adrenaline is pumping, and uh, yeah, just kind of keep in touch, folks, if you don't mind, and uh, great to be with you, pal. I'm happy for you, and you're you're doing a great job. Absolutely. Appreciate it coming on, and, and if you want more from Dean, of course, you can see Dean at 6 and 10 on News 9, Sundays at 1025 on the Oklahoma Ford Sports Blitz, and also you can follow Dean on Twitter, at Dean Blevins, and again, Dean, yeah, appreciate you coming on the show, being the very first guest on West of Everest.